Welcome to Heart Home Community's most recent Baldwinsville Community Update. I'm your host, Shelly Hoffman. Hey everybody, I'm here with Bob Wicks today. Bob, we took a month off for uh, like a summer break. So uh, it's been two months since I spoke to you last. How are you doing? I'm doing well. How about you? I'm doing really well. Do you have a nice 4th of July? I had a great 4th of July. I've, and I like your intro, by the way. Thank you. I um, I give credit to, uh, I don't know if you know Ted Croucher. He's a chiropractor in the community, but he referred his brother to me who does drone videos. And he came and took it. And I just, you know, I'm addicted to my building. I tell everybody it's my fourth child. So I was happy to have some footage, but um, so anyway, I know a lot has probably been happening. You know, I, I still talk to the mayor at least twice a month. Um, and that's part of the, you know, the town that's in the um, on the Lysander side. He's got a lot of things going on. So what's been happening in your world as far as the town of Lysander? Well, um, I'm sure people saw the uh, news conference with the uh, county executive and they're going to have another round of uh um, the stimulus for uh, uh, people in uh, towns and villages to um, put money to, towards their facades and their buildings. And uh, there's monies available in, uh, in the village of Almondsville. So uh, because that's really the only downtown area that we have, I've been trying to find places in the town where we could utilize that, but we really don't have areas that would fit the criteria. So if people are uh, looking to do something with their, they're building, especially in the business district, they ought to contact the village and the mayor uh, to make sure that they get um, their uh, request in because when the money's gone, the money's gone. So, Do you know um, if there's any requirements as far as, um, like I know when the grant for the, the facades that I was a part of last year, you know, there were certain things that they were looking for. Is there anything they're looking for or is it just something that... Um, uh, I, I, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not sure what the criteria is. I haven't seen it, but I think it's similar to when you were doing it. So you would be able to speak to that a little bit better than I would as far as what the criteria was. I think there is, uh, I think there is some matching uh, monies that uh, the uh, business owners would have to put up, but uh, I'm not sure that would be something that you could get the information from the mayor. Okay. And I, I, just for anybody listening, I think for me, I believe it was 27% of the total cost is what I was responsible for. And then the county had given money, um, three estimates, you know, you had to show them that you tried to get the best price possible for the work and the labor. But it was, uh, I think it said um, at least 25%. Ours ended up being about 27, or at least mine did. I can't speak for Gary and um, Tim and some other guys that were part of it, but, but it was great. I mean, and again, for those of you that do not know, my building is 12 Oswego street in the village. And if you take a look at it now compared to it was this time last, well, probably a year and a half ago, um, the, the money went to good use. I fixed the clock, you know, they helped me fix the clock in the village, stuff like that. So, so that's kind of great. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Your building looks great. It really does. And there's, uh, you know, I'm not going to out any 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 uh, businesses in the area, but there's a there's a few places in the downtown area that that could use uh, a facelift, and uh, that money, I mean, went like you said, 27 percent uh, of uh, the cost. That's that's not bad compared to what it probably cost you to redo that building. I know that that was a that wasn't a cheap endeavor. That that came out really well though. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. I um it was fun. Well, being in being in real estate, anytime something goes from uh, a building or a room or a house goes from this to this, um, it's right up my alley. So I like looking at it. But, but anyway, so that's one thing going on. Um, I know Brian May will probably talk a little bit about that when I talk to him and I'll bring it up to the mayor in case he wants to throw out some more information to people when I talk to him on Wednesday. But uh, what else has been going on in the town of Lysander? Well, I wanted uh, to let people know that the planning board um, hearing on the proposed warehouse this week will, uh, they're still going to have a planning board meeting, but that proposal has been, uh, it's no longer before the, uh, the planning board. So what they're actually doing is they're going, they're downsizing the size of their project. And when they do that, because it's not the same project, even though it's on the same area and, and the property is going to be utilized, uh, in a similar fashion, the, the project's different. So they have to go through the process again. So if people were thinking about coming and speaking 
about uh, either for or against the uh, the project that was originally proposed, that that project is no longer a, vi a viable project, and they're going to close the public hearing. They're going to have some uh, you know short discussion on it, and then uh, they're not going to uh, take any more comments on it because the project is no longer uh, before the board. So. Um, can I, can I just ask for clarification? Because I'm kind of learning how those meetings work a little bit. So when you say it's it's closed, um, and I might have to adjust my um, my intro, but does that mean that as as a public person, can I still come to the planning board meeting? It just won't be that topic won't be discussed. Nobody will be asking for my opinion on it, or is that something the public doesn't even come to at this point? No, you were right. The uh, any any. Um, planning board meetings or any uh, meetings uh, of the town board or any other meetings, they're all open uh, to the public. There's very few exceptions. If we have, uh, the only time we'd have closed meetings, if we're talking, if we're getting, um, uh, the board is getting uh, legal advice or if we are uh, in um, uh, talking about contract negotiations, which we do do, those are closed to the public, but every other meeting is open to the public and they're welcome to come anytime they want. We advertise all of those. Uh, but the, so the planning board uh, meeting will be open, but as far as the discussion on the current uh, proposed uh, warehouse, that's the discussion is, go is going to end because that project is no longer uh, a viable project. They're going to, they're going to have to go through the whole application process again to determine um, what they're going to do with that property and, and with, the, with the warehouse. But it's not going to, uh, that um, million or uh, plus uh, feet of warehouse is no longer going to be before the board. So they're just going to close the, if, if it's no longer before the board, then they're going to close the uh, public hearing because it, go, it goes away. Right. Um, and you and you may not be able to answer this. I just wanted to ask because um, people might be wondering if they're making the warehouse smaller than I know there were some concerns with maybe like the wetlands, things like that. Does it, it eliminate some of the issues that were that were coming up with the larger building? Correct. If, or is it uh, yes, because I haven't seen the uh, what the new pro proposal is going to be, but I understand it's going to be quite a bit smaller. So a lot of the issues that uh, were um, a concern for the planning board, wetlands, traffic, a lot of those issues go away. So that's why they have to have a new uh, application and then they'll have to supply, uh, supply the, uh, um, the plans to the uh, planning board, which will then go to the, uh, to the county uh, DOT who will have to do another traffic study on that. So they go through the whole process, but a lot of the, the wetlands issue, it's my understanding now, the wetlands issue and uh, some of the traffic issues uh, are no longer going to be an issue because of the size of the project. Okay. Um, and, and again, it may not matter as much, but can you explain to, to the public? I know that, you know, just because I live in the town and, um, that there was, I know there was uh, people going around and signing things and it said that there was 900 people that were against it. You know, we kind of talked about that. Um, in walking the community, you know, obviously I heard both sides of it. I heard some people who were kind of looking forward to having the business brought to it, whether it's a larger building or smaller building. But was it really 900 people that signed that petition within our community that said they did not want it? Because that's a lot of people, you know, um, that possibly yeah, signed it. Yeah, and and because of the number of the people that uh, when I uh, there was a um, oops, just shut that down, um, there was uh, a uh, petition presented to the planning board, and it was uh, claimed that there were 900 signatures against the project. So I wanted to see exactly how many uh, signatures were against the project, and. When you have signatures, they have to be signatures. They have to, you have to go out, when you have a petition, you have to go out and actually physically sign it. Somebody has to witness it. So the, with, out of the 900, there were 600 that was a, an online survey. Well, that's not signatures and that's not a petition uh, because you can't verify if in fact the people that are going online are in fact who they say they are. So you look, I looked at the other, uh, the petitions with 
actual signatures. And I think there was about 240 uh, or, or uh, just under 240 signatures. Out of those 240 signatures, 107 of them weren't even in the town of Lysander. They were from Oswego, they were from Fulton, um, East Syracuse, Liverpool, from every, they weren't, they weren't residents. So out of the ones that I could verify, out of the signatures that I could verify, I counted about 125, somewhere around there. Signatures that uh, were residents of Lysander that uh, were against the project. Now, I'm sure that on that online survey, some people did live in the, in the town of Lysander, but to say that there were 900, there, there wasn't 900. There was that we could verify about 125. But from the calls that I got, there were people calling me that were in favor of it. And, and the thing is, most people, if they're busy, they're not going to come in, hey, we're in favor of it because it's moving forward. The people that generally show up to uh, things like that uh, are people that are against it. They're, they're motivated. They're against it. Well, if you have 125 people, and we were getting about, we were getting somewhere between 60 and 100 people showing up at the meeting, which would be consistent with those 125 signatures. Well, we have over 23,000 people in the town of Lysander. So 125 people really is not a big representation of the town. I'm not saying that it's not a representation of the people that don't like it, but the, I, I can tell you that I receive numerous calls from people. Where do I get the signs? Because there are some signs, uh, you know, say no to the warehouse. But there were other people that called me. Where do I get my signs to say yes for the warehouse? And I told them, well, we weren't issuing those out. Those were done. Those are private individuals getting those signs done. So. So I can tell you that uh, I, I don't know if I got 125 calls. I, I doubt that I did, but there were there were you know number of people that called up in favor. And I and when I went into the community, there were a lot of people that were in favor of that that project. Um, Do you have to live? So my next question mm -hmm. then is, um, you know, Fulton's just down the road from us, obviously. Do you have to live in the town of Lysander in order to sign that petition, or would something? where that was going to be built have an impact on Fulton or other communities that they would, you know, they would possibly have a say in it. I know we can, you can, you are concerned with the town of Lysander, right? Because those are your residents. But I'm just curious for the other people that signed it, would they truly be impacted by it based on where they live and where that warehouse was going to go? And maybe well, we can if, you, that if you go into the, to the uh, city of Fulton, and I have, I, that's why we didn't have a meeting last month. I was there uh, for a funeral of a friend of mine. And you go through that that city is there's not a lot going on. Uh, Nestle and some of the other buildings that were used to employ a lot of people, those things are vacant. And they they've torn down some of the other uh, buildings that used to employ a lot of people. So when the, the people in Fulton, is it going to impact them? Yeah in a positive way because they probably the a lot of the people that were working at nestle if they weren't uh, or in some of the other uh industries there if they were still out of a job they'd be able to come down the road and they'd be able to work there it'd be a positive impact on them as far as the negative impact there's no negative impact on them that i can that i can see uh and certainly not in liverpool and oswego uh but when when the planning board or the town board is looking at signatures, we're looking at our residents. How does it impact our residents? Now, you know, I look at it in the, in the in a macro perspective. I, I also look at it, how's it going to impact, you know, the village, which and part of the village is in Van Buren, and how does it affect the people in Van Buren? Because we're all one big community. That's the way I look at it. But from my perspective, I thought it was going to impact them positively because Contrary to what some people were saying, they were going to pay taxes and they were and those taxes were they were going to pay school taxes. Well, the school taxes not only uh, impact uh, the Lysander residents positively in a, in a good way, they impact the residents of the town of Van Buren in a in a positive way. So uh, the uh, anybody that's in the school district was going to benefit from that industry providing uh, taxes to the school district, which helps us all. Because some people come out and there were there were some people that were, are currently on the school board now that came out and they weren't in, uh, in favor of the project. Okay, 
I'm going to go to their meeting and I'm going to ask the school board. All right, you weren't in favor of this. I, I was in favor of it. And, and I still am in favor of it because my job is to look at how am I going to keep taxes down for our residents in a way that isn't going to impact the community in a negative way. There were, there's always some, there, there's always pros and cons to every project. I sit down with a piece of paper. I look at the pros on one side and the cons on the other. If I got many, many more pros on one side and only a few cons on the other, I'm probably going to be leaning towards that project. I'm not saying that the people that came out against the project didn't have any concerns. That's not what I'm saying. But when you weigh the benefits compared to what it's uh, the negative impacts on the community with this project or projects like that, I thought that there were a lot more benefits to the community and one of them being uh, the taxes. So when you go, when, when you look at uh, um, taxes, people, people came in and they were complaining that their assessment goes up. Well, when we tell them that the assessment has nothing to do with their taxes, I don't think they understand it. And, and here's a simple thing. If our budget was, I, I reduced our budget this year by $300,000. So taxes went down in the village. They didn't go down in the, um, in the town. They stayed, uh, there was no tax increase in the town because I had to raise the highway tax. Well, the, or the money that we put into the highway. The highway is everything outside the village. But at the very least, nobody got an increase in town taxes. If I do the same thing this year, if our budget was uh, uh, 5 million point, uh, 100,000, if I still have uh, keep the budget at 5 million 100,000, and that's what I'm going to try and do, it doesn't matter what your assessment is, you're still going to be, it's still going to be distributed evenly, you're still going to be paying the same tax. Now, if you look at our budget, last year we were we we either reduced it for the village or or kept it flat. If I do the same thing, that'll be two years with a flat budget or a reduction. What's the school uh, budget been like? Look at that school budget. Every year it goes up. Every year. What are the people on that school board that came out to talk against this project and talk about um, uh, what's going on with uh, um, you know the um, increased revenue from there. You know, they didn't take that into consideration. What are they going to do to keep our taxes low? Because if you look at our budget, 5.1 million, it's 120th of what the school, it actually less than 120th of what the school budget is. And I believe the school budget was one, $112 million. Hmm. That's a lot of money. That's where your, your money's going the school budget. That's the biggest portion. I, I was talking with our county legislator, Brian May. The county's trying to keep their budget down. The town's keeping uh, their budget down. But that's not the bulk of your taxes. The bulk of your the bulk of your taxes are in the school budget. What is the school board doing to keep their taxes down, keeping keep it stable? How can it go up every year, every year, every year? I mean, what, what are they doing? I never hear anything like that. We need this, we need that, we need this. Okay, well, I need a lot of things. <laughs> but, uh, you know, you, you have to be, you try and budget it out and, and take a look at it. I don't see that happening with the school. But I'm going to tell you, I'm going to be there and ask them. Because you have school board members coming and criticizing this where we're going to help keep the taxes low. What are they going to do to keep their taxes low? That's what I'd like to know from them. Well, I um, I'll be I'll be curious of that answer because again, I've never gone to the school board meeting or paid attention to their budget, but I do pay attention to school taxes um, right here in Baldwinsville, Liverpool, and other places that I work because it's all part of what I do for a living. Um, and and everywhere you go, the school taxes are always so much higher than you know everywhere else. But last, um, last year was last year was COVID. I started working on that budget in March, and we're working on it now. And I went into every department and said, listen. People are people are uh, in in a tough situation. Nobody knows what this uh, um, economy is going to be like, and it wasn't good. I said we we cannot have a tax increase last year. That's what I went in and did, and we did not. What did the school but what did the school district do? They raised it. They they raised it. Why couldn't they keep that down for one year? I I I don't I don't understand. You know, I mean, I understand you need you need things. Uh, I understand cost go, goes up. Okay, if you go up to 
the uh, the cost of living. Well, the cost of living was under, I think it was under 1.5%. School budget went up over 2%. Couldn't keep it under that 1.5%? Yeah, I, I don't know, Bob. I won't speak for the, for the school and what they're doing. I know that, you know, it was a tough year for everybody involved. And I do know that you and the village, because I talked to all of you and uh, Van Buren as well, definitely were trying to keep um, the numbers low because it was, it was an unprecedented year. Uh, Brian May said the same thing. They were trying to do it. I'm not sure why the school wouldn't have. Hopefully they have an answer for that. And it's a good answer that satisfies everybody because when those assessment letters went out, there was a lot of panic in our community about the assessments going up. But the assessments I know just again from what I do is 95 to 100% of market value. And if anybody's paying attention to the market, the market is just you know what we would what would have been listed three months ago is getting listed higher now. What it would have been listed a year ago is way higher now, um, and that comes into play with those assessments. And I'd love to have the assessor, the assessor on here one day to just explain the fact, like you said, that just because the assessments go up does not mean the taxes go up. It just feels like it, you know. And to have that explained by um, her name's Teresa, right? Our tax. Teresa our Golden. Support. Yes. Yes. And, and what people don't understand about the assessments, the reason that they go up is that she's trying to keep them stable so that you don't have uh, high increases. And our assessments are between 95 and 100 percent. Well, if you go to other towns, if they don't do the same thing, some houses weren't haven't been in. And I'm not going to mention any any towns, but in some towns, they haven't reassessed uh, homes in say 25 years. So that means a 25 year old house is, is paying the same taxes. So now is that worth more? Yeah, you know, it's worth more, but who's getting, who's getting hammered on it? All the new houses that are coming in, they're assessing them at current market value. So what that means is there's this disparity. It means that the new houses are paying this and the houses that have been around for a while are paying this. They're not paying their fair share. It should be like this. That's why we do what we do. And again, just because assessments go up, if if the school district keeps their taxes or keeps their budget the same, we keep our budget the same. The county keeps the budget the same. You're not going to pay higher taxes. It doesn't matter if it doesn't matter what your house is assessed at. If if uh, if if it's a hundred dollars that we're uh, that that. Uh, where we have uh, our budget at, well, that'll be spread out with, with everybody, regardless, it'll be spread out evenly, regardless of what your assessment is. The assessments don't have anything to do with it, unless and until your government entities do not hold their budgets uh, down. And we are, I know the county is, I'd like to see what the school, the school uh, district is doing to keep their budget down. Well, speaking of other um, entities, there's another thing that uh, we talked about before we went live, and that is the roadwork on 31. Uh, people are assuming that's a town uh, town roadwork, right? Highway department. But in actuality, all that work going on in the uh, on 31 has nothing to do with you, right? Has nothing to do with with the town, and we we don't have any control over that. That's uh, yes, and I I did get a lot of calls about Route 31, and I had some complaints with them. In fact, I I got out and was talking to some of the flag people because I thought that some of the the direction and the the, the way that they uh, aligned the cones was not very well done. But that's that's uh, all the state and the contractor for the state. And if you have a problem with them, I can't do anything. I'm a citizen just like everybody else. You try to call a state DOT and we're not gonna get a lot a lot through that. <laughs> By the time I get through to somebody that can do anything, uh, the project will uh, be over with. In fact, I'm looking outside and the cones are gone. So they're probably done today. <laughs> they're probably done. All I know is I went the long way around anytime I needed to go. Like I'm in a golf league at Hickory Hill and I did not shoot, shoot down 31 to go to that. I ended up going out by Gina and Joe's and <laughs> down past Abbott's and circling back just to yeah. avoid it. It was and kind I of did. a mess. Yeah, and I went the back way out off of uh, 60 Road when I went back into the village as well. You know, sometimes that's what you have to do. But we've been doing a, we've been doing a lot of road work around the town. Uh, the highway department's been been doing a lot of things. Uh, I know we're 
we're just in the process of, I think we just got okay to uh, put out for bid a project on Willow Parkway that uh, we wanted to do. There's a culvert at Willow Parkway and Drake's Landing that needs to be redone. Now that's um, uh, not gonna cause that much of a problem for the residents down there, but, and it's gonna be all underground. It's almost a half a million dollar, uh, it's $440,000 project. And people won't even, when it's done, they won't even know the difference. But it's it's a big project, it's a lot of money. And we're, I think the engineer isn't in today, but uh, I think that uh, we're ready to put that out for bid because we, we are stuck when we apply for a grant, we have to jump through a lot of hoops. And when I got in, that was one of the, the grants that wasn't wasn't completed. We applied for it, but the, the um, uh, grant application, there still needed a lot of things to be done with that. But I think we're just about done and hopefully that one gets done uh, by the end of the year, as well as Connell Terrace for those individuals living on Connell Terrace. That project is probably going to start next week. And then it'll probably go on for about three to four weeks. Uh, that's going to be the same type of project that we did on Mott Road uh, when they get through. If, if people go down to Mott Road and take a look at that road, that I, I think it came out great. There, the water issue, they tied in. Uh, a lot of people were uh, had standing water in their front yard because there really wasn't any drainage. And then as well, uh, what also exacerbated the problem was people were putting their uh, sump pumps, because it's Indian Springs, to get a lot of water, putting their sump pumps out to the front and into the gutters, and the gutters weren't taking them away. Well, now those sump pumps got tapped into the drainage, and if you go up there, it's pretty dry. I think I think people were pretty happy with that. Connell Terrace that hasn't been done in over 30 years, that's going to be the same type of thing. They're they're putting in new culverts, they're putting in new drainage, uh, they're putting in new catch basins, they're going to do the whole road all the way up to the uh, cul-de-sac. And that should be uh, a nice um, a nice road when they get through and the drainage problems should be just about eliminated, 100% eliminated. Oh, nice. Um, is that the last project you guys are doing over in that area? Because I know you, you talked about Connell Towers and uh, Mott Road at the beginning of the, I guess, the beginning of spring that that was going to get done. Is those yeah, two big projects? Or? Yeah, that, I mean, we try to do um, one or two big projects a year. Now, we that one is, a, I think that one's a $340,000 project. And we also did a $160,000 project on, on um, West Entry Road from Smoky Hollow down to Loop Road. Well, part of it is already done from Smoky Hollow to the railroad tracks. Uh, National Grid's going to come in and they have to tear up the road. Well, we negotiated with them uh a settlement as far as when they tear up the road what are we going to do with it so uh between them and a grant that uh, we received from brian may for the whole project that project from uh smoky hollow to loop road and that should be done that has to be done by the winter time so once they get through that's a hundred and about a hundred sixty thousand dollar uh, project and out of that we, the town only had to buck up about $10,000 because of the grant and the, and the money that we negotiated from National Grid. So that, that was a lot of money we saved there. And um, those were our two, that's a half a million dollars worth of projects there. And, but we have other, we went into Radisson, did a lot of, a lot of work in Radisson, um, uh, some streets, as many streets as we could in there. And then we did a lot of oil and stone. And I know some people called up about uh, oil and stone. They, they don't like it all the time, but that's the only way that we can keep the roads in, in good condition for them. And I, I realized that there is some, uh, when you go over the roads, when they're first done, it, it is a little annoying. I go over the same roads, uh, but once it settles down, once it hardens up, I mean, you have a much better road for a longer period of time. That's how we eliminate the potholes. Um, when we're talking about Radisson, there was, uh, I don't know if you were aware, but um, we, we are under a mandate from the state to put up new signage. And we have to have the whole town completed. It was supposed to be completed by 2008, but, uh, but because of the cost, the state allowed towns to put the uh, street signs up uh, and as long as you're making progress towards them, uh, we have uh, um, 
an extended period of time. Well, Radisson has always had, uh, there's a certain color that you have to use and green green reflective is the color that people are most aware of. Well, Radisson doesn't have those, those colors. So there was, uh, we've been working with the, the RCA and uh, their board to try and come up with another alternative to the green signs because the people in Radisson didn't like them. I get it. You know, they like the aesthetics of the brown sign. The problem for the town is that we are liable. Those signs are in the right of way for the town and the town is liable for that. So we had to come up with some to see if uh, our attorney and their attorney, the RCA, has been working to see if we could come up with another alternative to the green signs. Uh, and, and if we can, we're going to do it. We may have a solution. I'm not saying that we, we do, but we may have a solution to that. Uh, I'm still waiting for the documentation. And I spoke with Lynn Tanner from the uh, Radisson Community Association. And I said, and I told her there's a few things that I need uh, for the town so that uh, our liability is uh, protected. Um, and if we can get that, we may be able to do something other than the green signs. Uh, and, and everybody's trying to, to accomplish that goal. But I am stuck because we're mandated to do it a certain way. If I can't get something from the state that allows us to do it something different than what the standards are, then I have to go along with the standards. If we can do something else, you know, we're trying to do it. And we think we may have a solution to it, but um, we're about 90% there and we'll see. Until we're 100%, you know, it isn't a done deal. It could fall apart at any moment, but uh, if I can get the documentation I need that uh, protects the town uh, from any type of lawsuits, then we're gonna move forward and do something more aesthetically pleasing to the uh, Radisson residents. Well, that, you know, it's it's funny. It seems like it should be something simple, right, when it comes down. But at the end of the day, when you deal with all the red tape and everything else you have to go through, um, it doesn't seem like it. Signs should be simple, Bob. That's all, you know, in my head. But you're right. I, I've lived in Radisson. It's beautiful. I love it. You know, if you change something like that, it does seem silly for those of you that are not familiar or think it's crazy what that community has. But it really is. It all blends. It's all, um, it's just I don't, I don't have the words for it, but you, you put something in it that's different and it's noticeable. Yeah. So. And, and some people called up and they said, well, if you go down to, uh, to um, down South to these different communities or out West, these different communities, what people don't realize is that those communities that they're talking about, they don't have plows like we have plows. Mm -hmm. So a lot of the things that they do down there and a lot of the communities that they're talking about, because I had, a uh, summer home down in Florida. And that community uh, was called Fishhawk Ranch. It's a private community. They put up whatever signs they want. It's If it's a gated private community, they can do anything they want. Radisson is not a gated private community. The roads in there are town roads. So because they're town roads, they have to conform to state DOT regulations. If it was gated at Willow Parkway and Drake's Landing and Glacier Ridge, and they could all be cordoned off, Radisson residents could do whatever they want. But that's not the type of community is. The ones that, when people called up and talked about the communities down south and said, if you were familiar with them, which I am very familiar with them, and I know that they're private communities. That's why they can do what they do, and that's why we can't do what they were asking us to do, unless we get the approval from the entities that are res that uh, are responsible for the regulations that put the regulations on us and their federal and state regulations. Yeah. Yep. Um, so we've covered a ton I and mean, we've been talking for almost 30 minutes. Is there anything else as far as, um, you know, that's happened in the last two months that you should really get out to the public before um, we call it? I know we hit the key things we talked about, but. Yeah. Um, Pickleball, a lot of people are over there playing pickleball. We're going to we're going to fix those courts. We're going to add two new courts. Uh, and uh, we're, we're we decided we we move some money around because we saved some money in the park budget when uh, we were able to uh, take down some trees much uh, more uh, uh, 
inexpensive. Uh, it, it cost us less to take down the trees than uh, we originally anticipated. So we put moved the money over and put them into repairing and re making those pickleball and tennis courts are going to be brand new. Uh, by the end of July, it's probably going to be a week where you're not going to be able to use them. But when you get through with them, they'll be brand new. And that's what we're moving towards. We got, um, there's some grants we're working on in the park. We just applied for a $200,000 grant. Uh, that would bring in some outdoor gym equipment. And when I say outdoor gym equipment, this, uh, what we are, what we'd like to do down there is have a covered outdoor gym area where you could get a, a gym like, uh, uh, going to powerhouse gym. You could get that type of workout in, with this outdoor gym equipment. And I've seen that before. We're also looking at, uh, uh putting in a parkour type of, uh, facility oh, wow. over there for uh, people, you know, that uh, um, like to work on that type of fitness area. We're uh, working on, we're waiting for our money to tear down that building so we can start plowing over that uh, old uh, house that's there with the, with the um, um, soil, all, uh, with the hard fill that we have there. But again, we have some, some uh, DEC regulations that we have to take care of. There's some asbestos in that building. So we need, I'm, we're waiting for that money to come in along with the bathhouse, that, uh, that hundred thousand dollars. And uh, what, what bathhouse, Bob? There's there, uh, a while ago, the town applied for a grant for $100,000 to put a, uh, a bathhouse in for the uh, spray park area. Okay. Uh, that, that, when I got in here, that was stalled. That um, uh, application wasn't even complete. We completed that application. We submitted it. And again, we're, we had to jump through a bunch of hoops. But I uh, con or uh, Senator, uh, a representative from Senator Mannion's office actually was at one of our board meetings and I spoke with Derek Carr is his name. I spoke with him at the time and uh, Senator Mannion's office is actually working on that. In fact, when I get off the phone with you, I'm going to call his office because they sent the senator wants to come in and, and uh, uh, meet with me with me in the town to uh, see what he can uh, help us with. And uh, that's going to be you know, one of the things I'm going to talk to him about schedule that meeting. So, um, you know, we're waiting for that, but there's a hundred thousand out there for that as well as another, um, cold storage for the highway garage that, uh, uh, that, um, application had been stalled. That's now we've completed it. We got everything in we needed. Now we just have to have uh, help from the Senator to push that through, which I know that his office has been working on. Um, how is the, um, I know you hired, a, right, it might have been two months ago when we were talking or maybe he'd been there for a month, but you did hire a new parks supervisor, correct, for the for this year? Park director. He, park director. he, he came from Onondaga County with, with a ton of experience and he's been, he's been uh, uh, making some changes in the park, positive changes, and I really like what he's been doing. His name's Kevin Merrill. And uh, he's he's heading up these things, you know. With uh, he's uh, he, he's the one who put together that two hundred thousand dollar grant. We come in, we sit down, we come up with some ideas, you know, as well as we're we got some uh, uh, property that we're trying to swap so we can extend the walking trail to make it double the size, uh, mm -hmm. as well as uh, I mean, if you go in the park, that park's utilized a lot. We're looking at expanding the parking in there. We're looking at putting up another field and just uh, uh, and making sure that all our facilities, we're going to chip away at them so that we have um, uh, really first class facilities in that park. And what we're trying to do, we don't want to compete against the Y and other uh, entities for what they're doing. What we want to have are things that other people don't have, like the outdoor gym equipment. During COVID, that would have been a that would have been a home run, and I don't think that's going away. So that was one of the things that I really uh, wanted to see done. the The parkour stuff, I think that's another thing. You know, the pickleball. You go over and watch the pickleball. You know, there's 50 people over there every day. You go on the fields on any given night right now and we we are maxed out at our field capacity so the parking is a problem so we're looking at taking down some trees uh you know pushing the the parking over and kevin is the one who is uh uh spearheading that initiative nice yeah i um i have a friend of mine who's never heard of pickleball her husband started playing um and 
introduced it to her and now they're buying pickleball equipment and they're heading over there to play at Lysander. And I, I believe they have pickleball at the Y, you know, indoors if people want to play indoors. But yes, I sure. played pickleball in Pittsburgh when I was a kid. And so when everybody started talking about it and said it was new, I thought I'm 46 years old. I think I played pickleball when I was 14 years old. It's a lot of fun and it's good exercise too. Most of the people over there are your age and, and my age or older. <laughs> I mean, they're they're mature adults over there playing, but they're pretty good at it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, and, uh, uh, it's it's packed. I mean, really, you can go over it like today. I guarantee you, there's a lot of people over there playing. Usually not in the middle of the afternoon, around eleven, or I mean, around uh, one to four. But in the morning and, and later on at night, that gets a lot of action over there. The basketball court. We're working on the, the uh, volleyball. You know, we uh, we brought in some new sand, so there's more sand in there. Clean that area up. Uh, we're putting up new nets. You know, really trying to uh, have a facility that people can just go in and use. Where you can, you know, you got gym equipment, you got pickleball, you got basketball. Yeah, we're going to put some cornhole boards up there. We're going to have cornhole tournaments. We're going to have pickleball tournaments. So that's those are the things that Kevin's uh, starting to work on. And he comes with a lot of experience from Onondaga County. So he's he's going to be able to get those things done. Nice. Well, that all that all sounds good. And, and just in time for, um, you know, everybody's looking for reasons to get back outside. The heat's a little bit tough today. I'll be honest with you. The hit. Humidity is killing me. I walked down to the office, so wasn't really sure how puffy my hair was going to be while we were talking today, but it is what it is. What else do you have on your list? Anything that we didn't cover? Well, we're, we're starting the budget process now. And uh, so for people that don't understand how the budget process works, and I get started on it early. Um, we have, when you look at a budget, you have your wants and you have your needs. The needs portion is what, how much money does it take to run the town? You know, how much money does it take to keep the highway department running efficiently? How much money does it take to keep the clerk's office open and, and the justice courts and uh, the uh, codes office? Those, those are the things. There are certain fixed costs that we don't have any control over because we, we have uh, employee costs and just the cost of doing business. Then you look at other things. For instance, you know, I'm going to be looking at, uh, I'd like to, this, this building needs a facelift. It hasn't had one in, uh, since they've been in here. Uh, we, we did a little bit with the inside, just a little bit with the outside. But uh, what I like to do is repaint this building and, and start looking at uh, preventative maintenance. On uh, I know our roof is okay. Our roof is good for about 10 years. But if you look at the parking lot, the parking lot needs some work. So those are some things that we budget for that uh, um, sometimes you can put off till the next year. Uh, but uh, you start looking at uh, your wants. And then when you get through, we take a look at the needs portion is set. So then, all right, how much, how much money do we have that through, through our taxes that we're bringing in and that, that we can uh, accomplish without really uh, putting too much of a burden on the community. And uh, that's how we come up with the budget. So while I'm here, you know, I try to chip away at chip away at things, and uh, you know, not here. Like I said, there wasn't a um, an increase last year. I'd like not to have an increase this year, but we're getting to the point where uh, cost. Uh, if costs keep going up, eventually we have to have some sort of increase. But if we can keep it stable, and that's that's our goal to try and do it through. Uh, grants, try it through uh, alternative funding. And what people don't understand, our, uh, we, we have, uh, we budget for, uh, like in the codes office, uh, there was, we budgeted for $45,000 in revenue coming in from different things. Well, I looked at it after April, we're at about $43,000. And I went in to talk to our codes office and I said, how, how are we so high? People are putting in a lot of pools. <laughs> There's a lot of people putting in pools. And then when you get a project like the warehouse, what people don't understand, we get tens of thousands of dollars in permitting fees just on that project alone. So if we get we get X amount of dollars in revenues coming in on top of our taxes, that's how we can keep the taxes flat. That's why that's why some of these uh, developments help with the with the taxes as well. So um, I don't know where we're going to be. I think that we're going to be in pretty good shape. We are, we are not going to see a uh, big increase in taxes this year, if any increase at all. 
but until we get through with our with our process, I can't say where they are. But you know, I really look to to keep that down and still accomplish the things we need to. We, we you look at the highway um, uh, vehicles, for instance. When I came in a year and a half ago, the average uh, age for the equipment in the highway was 14 years old. I got to have the highway superintendent take a look at it. But we've we've purchased three new vehicles and we got uh, another one on the way. So that that average age is coming down. And why do you want that? You want that because it lessens the cost. Those are all under warranty. Instead of us having to come up with maintenance costs, we save in the, uh, you know, we can send them out for warranty. There's no cost there. Um, you know, I, spoke we, to, um, I actually spoke to the highway supervisor um, when, for Pack B. So if anybody wants to see that, they can Google that for a Pack B episode. But he explained the benefit of, you know, changing out that equipment. So you're not paying for the repairs and they spent about 20 minutes. It was a lot of really good information that explained how you guys were setting that up and bringing in the new equipment. So, um, and we did that with the parks last year, we had a vehicle, we bought it the previous year, bought a new truck. I think it was 20, little over $25,000. We drove it for a year, didn't put any anything into it. I, I don't think we did an oil change because we only had about six or 7,000 miles on it. We traded that in for a $27,000 truck, brand new, we traded it in even. So it didn't cost, so we got a brand new truck that has a new warranty and new tires and you know already have fresh oil in it. And that's what we're going to try and do. Now, the problem for us now is uh, vehicles and anybody that went out to buy vehicles, vehicles at a premium. I don't know if we're going to be able to do that this year uh, because I don't know if we're going to be able to get a truck. Yeah. <laughs> we might not be able to do it. I mean, so it's not us. It could be the manufacturers. Uh, I mean, if you go on those lots, there's not a lot of inventory out there. So we might not be able to do that at, this year. But, you know, we're looking at doing it even with backhoes, you know, because we get it at a state rate, we can buy them at about 80% of what it costs. So if we keep it for a year, utilize it for a year, sell it, we can, and say we sell it for 90% of the cost of what a new one would be, that's still more than we paid for it, then we buy a new one. And that way we can keep these new, uh, this new equipment coming in and it always has a warranty on it. That's what we are trying to do. It may not work out because of COVID and some other things. Yeah. Try to buy a piece of plywood. <laughs> <laughs> hard, I, hard know. <laughs> I don't know if you've thrown past my house lately, but there's been some projects going on. It is not, those yeah. receipts have not been pretty. So, uh, well, that, <laughs> so, so that's about it. I, we went through, we went through a lot of stuff other than, um, and people in, uh, last thing is people in, um, uh, Seneca Estates, uh, I know their, their yard was torn up for, their, their yards were torn up for a long while. We got that uh, all filled in now. And uh, I just, I went out last week and, and uh, with the engineer and the highway superintendent, and there needs to be a little bit more work done. Uh, so in order to make it, you know, because we want to make it right for the residents to uh, make it as as nice as we can get it. And uh, so there's, I, I don't know if they did it last week. They're probably going to be out there this week because it rained a lot, but uh, they're probably going to bring in some more topsoil. Uh, it was a little thin, so bring in some more topsoil and then it'll be uh, reseeded and hopefully that'll uh, be nice for the fall for those residents. Nice. So, well, as always, it sounds like the town is doing a lot and, and, you know, we appreciate you keeping us informed, Bob. The, um, I'm, I'm kind of excited for the, the park. Like every time I'm looking for the park update, just again, because I think that's a huge asset to our community. Um, I know the spray park obviously, you know, hasn't been utilized yet. Van Buren wasn't able to open their pool and people are not happy about those things. But again, COVID changed so many things that we could or we couldn't do that. I just, I know next summer, everything should be great, right? Well, the spray <laughs> park, yeah, the spray park's been totally open since Memorial Day. Really? How did I miss that? I don't know. That's been wide open. Yeah, that's, really? yeah, there's wow. no, yeah, there's no um, uh, restrictions on that at all. I mean, once the governor, you know, once the governor released some of the, and the CDC came out with new guidelines, it, it loosens things up for us. And we were able to open that up uh, on uh, Memorial Day and that'll be open till uh, Labor Day. And so that's, right yeah. That's we're why not allowed, we're not allowed to miss months, Bob, because if we miss a month, then right. I don't get my community update. Yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah, no, no I know. I, right. yeah, that's well, right. what we, well, June, yeah. 
Because that yeah. would have been right about the time that uh, we opened it. We opened it like the week before. You're exactly right. Yeah, the um, because last the last time we spoke, nobody knew if anything was going. You know, there was a lot of things that opened up right at the end of May. Yeah. So. Yeah, it wow. opened up. Uh, the governor changed things. The CDC changed things, which loosened up uh, our uh, the requirements on the towns. What people don't understand, they don't see a lot of the requirements that the, the state puts on the towns. And uh, they they don't you know and try to explain it, we'd be here for three hours. But uh, there were a lot of criteria that we had to meet. And some of them, we didn't have the personnel. Other things, we didn't have the, uh, the money to do it. It was cost prohibitive. But once they loosened that up, and, and Kevin Merrill, again, he came in and he found ways to do that. Uh, he's, he's reorganizing things. So he's actually saving um, money in um, uh, salaries. He's saving uh, the way he, he adjusted some of the work schedules and things are saving uh, salaries. And that's, uh, you know, when we can save money in salaries, we can put more money into the park. And one of the one of the last things I like to say is we are going to because the town cannot solicit monies from private entities. It's it's against town law. But what uh, we are trying to form is, or trying to get people from the community. And I think we have some of them. Cindy Clark is one that, uh, is, uh, they're looking to form a 501 C3, which will be, I don't know what it's going to be called, but it'll be something like friends of Lysander park, kind of like friends of the Burnett park zoo. And they will be able to go out and solicit funds on behalf of the of the town park that can be utilized in the town. And they'll have a say where that money goes. So we'll have a representative, probably Kevin Merrill, representative from the town that um, will uh, be like a consultant for them and, and tell them some of the things that we would like to see in the, in the town park. And then that way that uh, um, the, those uh, volunteers can go out and do things on behalf of the town. And I know that conversation started uh, in 2019 and then COVID kind of came in 2020. So it was all yeah. probably put a little bit on hold. But right. um, yeah, I'm just I'm just that I know Van Buren because I talked to Mary Francis and Van Buren. Their issue was getting lifeguards, I guess, you know, with the spray park, you don't really have that, yeah. that issue. Yeah, there there is. I mean, with a pool, they had uh, there, there's a lot of moving parts with a pool. Yeah. A lot of moving parts. And if you don't have the uh, the proper uh, staffing, uh, you could run into some real liability issues. Uh, I, I did some consulting for a hotel uh, company and a couple of times we had uh, issues with the pool. Uh, you know, I got called. They, they actually had a death at one and that causes big problems for for that hotel. And that would be the same thing for the uh, for the. Uh, the town. So, uh, you know, when they, when people are uh, uh, on the town about closing down that pool, they got to realize that without the proper staffing, you really open yourself up for a lot of liability. So, you know, they have to do the things that are, are in the best interest of the, the town residents. Right. And once again, the, everything kind of opened up, it opened up so late, you know what I mean? Like had they been told maybe in March, March. Yeah, that they could have opened the pool, right? Exactly. Yeah. Well, they. I mean, they. Uh, they still have the the issues, but I know that uh, Onondaga County they had to. Uh, you know, they limited some of the hours in some of their parks uh, because they couldn't find the, the lifeguards. People yeah. went out and got other jobs. You know, they they rely on these college kids, uh, that and uh, high school kids that come home and they're they're already moving on to other things. Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, that was, that was my piece of news that brightened my day. Because like I said, when I go to the park, it's so early that I don't even think about the spray park. I just assumed it wasn't going to open this year. So that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, and my kids are teenagers. They're not they're not running through the spray park at this point. probably not going to go in there. I know I have, <laughs> a, I have an 11-year-old granddaughter. She's not interested anymore. <laughs> She's not interested either. So, All right, Bob. Well, thank you for the update. Enjoy the rest of the day. And um, no more. We can't miss it. I mean, we probably will. But I'm throwing it out there. We can't miss months, or at least you and I need to have a texting conversation. No, that's, yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry about that. I would, have, I would have told you about that sooner. I didn't mean to say it like that. But. No problem. All right. Well, enjoy your day, Bob. Talk to you soon. All right. All right. Bye. Bye.